Welcome to this episode of TechLink in Conversation. I'm Eddie Grant, a Director of Technical Connection. During our conversations, we seek to review the topical bulletins published on TechLink, our knowledge management tool for all things tax, trusts, pensions, and much, much more. I'm delighted to be joined by Helen O'Hagan, who is a tax and trust specialist at Technical Connection. Thank you for joining us today, Helen. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, Eddie, and, and thanks for inviting me to join you today. We're really pleased that you've been able to spare the time. Um, so I just want to talk about um, something where I think we're getting a large number of queries on at the moment, and it's in relation to being a trustee. And I think this has been kicked off by, by the whole issues around trust registration service and this looming deadline in September. Um, so, so Helen, um, could you start off by really covering the basics for me, please? What is a trustee and who tends to be a trustee? Of course. So a trustee is an individual who has been appointed to take responsibility for managing money or assets that have been set aside in a trust for the benefit of someone else. So they're normally appointed when the trust is created. However, additional trustees can be added at any time in the future. And anyone can act as a trustee as long as they are over age 18 and have mental capacity. It is a responsible position though, and generally trustees who take on this role do so without any financial gain for themselves, although they will be able to claim trust expenses from the trust fund. Most standard trust forms make the settler the first named trustee who then picks others to act with them. And trustees tend to be made up of the settler's family, friends, so brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, or more often than not, the settler's children if they are old enough. So one of the questions I think we get asked quite a lot is in relation to, can you be a trustee and a, and a beneficiary? Is, is that possible? Yes, as long as the beneficiary is over age 18, they can be appointed as a trustee. However, trustees should always be chosen wisely as they will be dealing with the trust assets and distributing these to the beneficiaries. So you want your trust to run smoothly and not be caught up with trustees who disagree or fall out with each other. That's really interesting. Um, so there are lots of uh, legal obligations and duties that trustees have to follow. Could you start to cover those for us, please? Yes, Eddie. Um, trustee duties are usually split into two areas. So firstly, there are general trustee duties which form a code of conduct and are the manner in which the trustees need to act. And secondly, there are specific trustee duties, which are actions that the trustees must carry out. And um, so, so trustees, so you, you, you're going to have hopefully more than one uh, trustee. So um, can a trustee just by themselves decide to to uh, sell an asset or do anything with the asset or do they have to all work together? So trustees have a general duty in which that they've got to consult one another about all of the decisions within the trust. They've also got to act within the powers of the trust rules. So they've got to act in accordance with the trust deed and general law. 
And this means that trustees have got to fully understand the terms of the trust and always act in good faith and with honesty and integrity. So trustees are there um, really to protect the, 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 the beneficiary's interests. So how, how, do they, how do they do that? Well, Eddie, the trustees also have a duty to act in the best interests of the beneficiaries and ensure that there are no conflicts of interest between their role as a trustee and the beneficiaries. They need to act impartially and treat the beneficiaries fairly. So that's balancing the needs and interests of all of the beneficiaries. And one of the things I, 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 rem I remember, because I've been in the industry for quite a long time now, is we had the, the, the Trustee Act 2000 many years ago, um, and everyone got very excited about um, investing uh, trust monies. Um, do, do, do trustees, can they just do that themselves? Do they have to take uh, advice? What are, what are the rules around that? Okay, so one of the specific duties, Eddie, is for the trustees to seek and consider professional advice on the investment of the trust assets from those that they believe are suitably qualified. So this is a requirement unless taking advice is unnecessary or inappropriate. So, for example, where the investment is perhaps so small and the cost of advice would be disproportionate, or where the trustees themselves possess relevant investment skills. And this leads on to the next trustee duty, which is the duty to invest the trust fund. So generally, the trustees will have wide investment powers, either from the terms of the trust, stating what the trustees can invest in, or from the default powers given in the relevant laws that are in place. So that's the Trustee Act 2000 that you spoke about in England, and there's also the Charities and Trustee Investment Scotland Act 2005 in Scotland. And basically, these days, most trustees have wide investment powers, which enable them to invest in most types of investment wrappers and assets. That's really interesting. And, and, and I suppose that having invested the money, the next bit is um, how, how do they know how to give out the money to, to the beneficiaries? What are the rules around that? So another of the trustees' duties is to distribute the trust funds to the beneficiaries of the trust. And it's really important that the settler informs the trustees as to the purpose of the trust. So the settler should write what we call a letter of wishes to the trustees, and that just outlines what they want to happen to the trust fund and when they want it paid out. So it's not binding on the trustees, um, but it gives the trustees guidance when the time comes to distribute the trust funds. The settlers may no longer be around when the trust is being distributed, so it's prudent to ensure the trustees have got guidance to help them decide who benefits and when from the trust fund. And uh, as I said at the beginning of this uh, podcast, um, the trustee registration service is has, has, has a lot of noise around that. And I think it's it's going to increase as we come up to that to that September deadline. Um, could you just remind us what what is the purpose of the, the trust registration service? Um, is it complex? Is it something that trustees could do easily? Certainly, Eddie. The, the trust registration service is just another way of gathering information, and it was introduced as part of the money laundering regulations. 
So it's basically just a way for the government to gather information about the parties involved in trusts. And as you know, this is essential in the fight against crime and identifying individuals involved in money laundering and terrorist financing. And it's not as scary as it sounds to register your trust. I registered mine using the online service and it's just asking for basic trust information. So who are the trustees? Who are the beneficiaries? That kind of thing. The confusing part for me was the government gateway account. Um, you need a separate one for the trust. You can't just use your own gateway account. It's actually called an organisation account. But once I've got that set up, it was kind of easy just to go through and answer each of the questions asked. So um, just taking the, the sort of stuff you talked about, trustees, and um, my understanding is this trust registration service is all online. There's no there's no paper version of it. So for, for some trustees, um, that must be quite challenging. And my understanding is you have to have a lead trustee to, to, to do that uh, work for you. So the trustees have to appoint a lead trustee. So I suppose it comes back to when you think about trusts and the number of trusts that have been set up over the years, there must be you know, a real challenge for some trustees. So this role of um, lead trustee, you know, how critical is it? And what, what are we seeing in the marketplace? So, so generally, Eddie, when you set up a trust, the settler is automatically the first name trustee on the trust deed. And all that means is that the correspondence is generally sent to them. However, under the trust registration service, you can just choose which trustee will be the lead trustee. So who will input the relevant details into the system. So if you've got an elderly settler, for example, the trustees can choose someone younger to be the lead trustee for the trust registration. And it makes sense really to pick someone who's familiar with computers and technology to fill out the form. This does not make any difference to the running of the trust and the duty of the trustees that we spoke about earlier. Picking a lead trustee under the trust registration service just means they will deal with HMRC and update any future changes on the system when necessary. So I think, um, you know, from an advisor's perspective, really having that um, conversation with the with the trustees and, and getting the right trustees and certainly the right suit, uh, lead trustee is really important from an advice perspective. Um, and, and there must be sort of stories when, um, you know, you haven't got the right trustees and you're trying to pay out beneficiaries uh, the money. That must be a real challenge. Um, have you experienced that over the years where, where claims have been made and, and you've just got the wrong trustees? Generally, under claims and certain transactions on trusts, you've got to have all of the signatures of all of the trustees. I think when it comes to the trust registration service, it's more about having a, a kind of capable trustee that's able to go online, you know, go through the system, input all of the details. And I think, as you say, a lot of trustees are elderly and it would be um, prudent to pick one of the other younger trustees who will probably manage um, that service much easier than an elderly trustee. And, and you, you mentioned that you've, um, you've registered your own uh, trust recently. How long did that take for you to do that? 
it didn't take long once I'd actually worked out that you need an organization gateway account. I struggled with that because the, the computer kept pre-populating my own private gateway account. Um, and I had to go through the process of trying to find um, how to do that. But once I'd done it, the actual revenue system is very clear and the questions are all clear and it's all um, basic information about who the trustees are, where are they resident, um, who are the beneficiaries. So it's not tricky in that respect. It's just being um, comfortable with computers and being able to, to go through the system um, quickly to, to get it done. So I suppose one of, the, one of the biggest bits of the process is collating all that information. So um, it, it, there's probably a lot of preparation even before you, you start going to your computer. Um, and, and, and is that easy to do? Is, is all the information, was it easy for you to, to know all that information? Yes, it's, it's standard um, information, identification information. So like national insurance numbers, names, addresses, um, whether someone is resident in the UK or not. So one would expect that if you've set a trust up and you've appointed trustees, that you're going to know them well enough that you'll be able to obtain the information easily from them to be able to input that into the, the actual trust registration service. And as uh, as hopefully everyone knows, we've got a, a load of information on TetLink, uh, our, our knowledge management tool um, around the trust registration service. And we're building more uh, capability all the time over the coming months. And, and we've got this deadline looming of the uh, of the beginning of September. And uh, and it's really important that clients uh, don't leave it to the last minute. Um, I think recently it was Canada Life that, that said, I think it was about 100, 150,000 trusts have been registered. So there are, there, there are a lot of trusts still to, to, to register and, um, and, uh, and, and it will be obviously a very busy summer if everyone leaves it right to the last minute. Um, thank you so much for your time today, Helen. Um, really, really helpful. Uh, loads of great uh, uh, insights as well. So, so really informative. Thank you so much. And it's great to catch up with you as always. Thank you. The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of such action or inaction.